Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Praise God, Bunny Lim had an operation on one of his cataracts. Bunny, come here for a second. I want to do a little interview with you. Has anyone had cataract removed before in their eyes? Holy moly. Didn't know it was such a popular thing. We're going to get everyone on stage now. Tell us about your experience. Come on, Bunny. Bunny, uh, on Friday, went and got one of his cataracts removed. Tell us why you bothered to get your cataract. Why do you do that? Uh, Because I can't drive as well at night of that. Went to the optometrist, recommended to me specialist, and decided to have it removed. So, had it removed on Friday, and they says if there's any pain, take some Panadol or Panadine or just to ease the pain. But praise God, there wasn't any pain at all, so I don't have to take any medicine. And uh, Pastor Josh prayed for me before I went in, and everything went smoothly. They were very assuring and all. My heartbeat didn't go to 300 beat a minute. And I came out of, the, of that pretty well. But uh, then yesterday, I went back to have it checked and cleared. And it is fine. So basically, I'm having another, the other side done in March. Do you know, th- this is totally unscripted, by the way. Okay. Do you know how I know it was your right eye that was done? Because it's an can't take because there's still an arrow on the, here that I can't clean out yet. You haven't washed it, buddy. What's going on? Hand sanitizer, I use everything, and it's still there. Okay, thanks, Bunny. I appreciate you. <laughs> um, Bunny's eyes totally fine, but apparently he was playing the sympathy card at home with Yvonne. <laughs> Yvonne, I can't see. <laughs> just, like, just like the blind guy from Mark's Gospel. What can you see? I, I see men walking around like trees. That's what it looks like this morning. You know, God really cares about our ability to see. He cares very much about what we see and how we see. Every single one of us, which is one, one of the great reasons why he's given us his Holy Spirit, because his Holy Spirit helps to guide us into all truth, to reveal things to us. The Holy Spirit is the great revealer. We should never neglect the person of the Holy Spirit. He can be kind of like the forgotten brother, the forgotten sister, the, the, the one that might be caught in the middle, but Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one, they work together. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father in the Holy Spirit. We participate in the life of the Trinity by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us this incredible opportunity to see. So many times in the Bible, God asks His people, what do you see. In Jeremiah chapter 1, as an example, he asked Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what is it that you see? And Jeremiah then says, well, I, I, I see an almond branch. 
few verses later, he says, now what is it that you see? He sees a bowling, uh, excuse me, a boiling pot facing away from the north, Jeremiah says. In chapter 24 and 3, God asks again to Jeremiah, what is it that you see? I see a, I, I see figs. Remember that one? Hezekiah, another one of the prophets. What do you see? Zechariah uh, in four, chapter 4 verse 2 says, I see a lampstand of gold. Chapter 5 verse 2, what do you see? He then says, I see a flying scroll. God is so incredibly interested in what it is that we see. One of the minor prophets named Amos, he's minor not because he was less important, but there's less information about him, so we call him a minor prophet. Amos uh, is asked the same question by God, what do you see? Three times in chapter 7 and uh, another time, chapter 8, verse 1. I want to turn, if we can, Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7. I'm going to read first part of that. Amos chapter 7, reading from the New Living Translation today. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to verse 9, but I want us to focus on verses 7 to 9, okay? Are you ready with me? Good. The Sovereign Lord showed me a vision. That's important. I've underlined that in my Bible. Who did the showing? God did the showing. He reveals. He initiates that. He, he shows us. I saw him preparing to send a vast swarm of locusts over the land. This was after the king's share had been harvested from the fields and as the main crop was coming up. In my vision, the locusts ate every green plant inside. Then I said, O sovereign Lord, please forgive us or we will not survive for Israel is so small. So the Lord relented from this plan. I will not do it, he said. Important to note there, intercession matters. Do you see God's intention here? <clears throat> God's people were sinning. They were in sin. They were doing the wrong thing. And God was growing weary of them. He shows Amos what was to happen. And Amos intervened. He interceded. Never discount your prayers. Never underestimate the power of it. God cares so much about a heartfelt, compassionate cry to him. Verse 4, Then the Sovereign Lord showed me another vision. I saw him preparing to punish his people with a great fire. The fire had burned up the depths of the sea and was devouring the entire land. Then I said, O oh, Sovereign Lord, please stop or we will not survive for Israel is so small. Then the Lord relented from this plan too. I will not do that either, said the Sovereign Lord. Then he showed me another vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? I answered, a plumb line. And the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore all their sins. The pagan shrines of your ancestors will be ruined and the temples of Israel will be destroyed. I will bring the dynasty of King Jeroboam to a sudden end. 
God is incredibly patient with us. He is immensely patient to his people. But God's patience does have its limits. The danger of getting too flippant and familiar with God is we assume that by grace we're all going to be okay always forever. Let's not take advantage of God's grace. He is a wonderful father, has an amazing heart. But the very fact that we are right now in this room under the preaching of his word in a sense of worship together in family and in prayer and intercession and with fellowship, let's not take that for granted. It's God's grace. It's his mercy that sustains us. So here we see God has had enough of his people. But so importantly, I want to start off with this. He asks the question of his prophet, Amos, and he says, what do you see? See, what we see informs our destiny. Do you know that? What you see informs your destiny. Our um, perspective, how we see, our perspective will always shape our directive. What is it that you see and how do you see today, this morning? What is it that you're looking at? How is it that you're seeing? We all in some sense have a filter. Our experiences can often mar can often hinder how we see, which is why we need God's Holy Spirit to help us. Not one of us can see entirely clearly. We need God's help. Which is why you can have two people look at a car accident. I, was at, I, I, I witnessed the car crash uh, just earlier in the week, and a couple of us, we saw a different course of events. The same car crash, but we saw it played out just a little bit differently. We have different perspectives. Well, who is the only one that sees clearly 100%? God himself. So I need his help. So what is it that we see? Where is it that we're looking? What is it that we're focusing on? What is it that you see in 2023? I don't know about you, but I need him. I need him in this season. I needed him in the last season, but I need him even more so in this season. And I don't want to take that for granted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Can we turn there? I don't think I've put that in my notes actually, Mr. Wiseman. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It's in the New Testament, Brett, Pastor Brett. It's in the New Testament. I'm pretty sure it is. You got it? There we go. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Do you know that as people we are highly reflective? You know you're very reflective. Put yourself in a group of people and observe how over time, this, 
behavior starts to get mimicked subconsciously. If one person crosses their legs, it's a really interesting experience. Someone else is likely to cross their legs, or the next person will cross their legs. Talk to someone with their arms folded. Many times, subconsciously, they'll fold their arms. We are subconsciously we are designed to be reflective. Sorry, intentionally designed to be reflective, but it happens so often on a subconscious level. As we look at God, it says, as the veil is removed and we see him and we behold him, we are transformed to become like him. God's destination for us is Christ-likeness. It's a person rather than a destination. He, he, the person, is the destination. And so for us, we must remember that what we behold, we become. Or who we behold we become, which is why so often married couples just tend to merge together over time with likes and interests and hobbies. So often that can happen. What we behold, we become. If my attention is fixed on money, that is going to consume me. And all I want to think about all the time is money. It's almost like uh, I become that which I behold. If I'm enamored continually about sports, when I was a lot younger, all I wanted to do was know the stats and, 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 uh, uh, of the West Coast Eagles, their heights, their weights, their areas of strength. and all That was consuming me too much. It was like I was becoming a football nut. I, I, I want to behold Jesus more and more because I want to become more like him. And the Holy Spirit transforms me more and more into his image as I behold him. So my question this morning is, to where are you looking? Where have you fixed your gaze this morning? As we enter a new year, what's your perspective? What do you see? Do you see, oh, another year, I can't do another year like that one. Oh my goodness, oh, so much grief and despair. And we spend so much time trying to not do something that we're going to eventually repeat it again anyway. So let's not look at the past, but let's Press on. Let's look to Jesus. Some great things happened last year. Some great things happened the year before. But he's doing a new thing. He's doing the next thing. And I want what he has for me in this coming season. I need him today. He's my fresh bread, my manna. I don't want to live off yesterday's revelation. As good as it is, I want him again today. So what do you see? Importantly, who do you see? I can... I, I remember so clearly, I could tell when Grace, when she was about three or four years old, I could tell when she was watching a lot of Peppa Pig because she wouldn't call me daddy anymore. She would call me daddy. See, Norman should say, hi, daddy. But after, I knew she was watching Peppa Pig that day because she'd go, hi, daddy. I had to draw the line when she started calling me daddy pig, silly daddy pig. <laughs> there right there is an example of what we watch what we see starts to shape us what are you watching what are you reading what are you saying what are you listening to I got a little nugget from one of my girls the other day. She goes, garbage in, garbage out. 
A few months ago, I remember when she said that, got me, oh, that's a good one, right between the eyes. Garbage in, garbage out. I want to make sure, Lord, help me. I just want you. Get in me, Lord. And things that are there that are time-wasting, that are distracting me, that are destructive to me, Lord, help me. Just cast that to one side. May I behold you. What do you see? Interesting here as we go to what he actually does see. The Lord showed me a vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was using a plumb line to see if it was straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And Amos says, I see a plumb line. The Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore their sins. Where are my uh, builders, please? I didn't know um, that you were a surveyor in the past, Pastor Brett, and you knew about a plumb bob and a plumb line. How many people know what a plumb line is? Okay. We're going to build a little tower wall today. Okay. Gary, just pretend you're curling those, my man. Let's put it up here. Would you? Put it up here. There we go. Right. Gary the Builder. Can he fix it? He's, he's probably better with numbers than he is with building. <laughs> All right. You're doing a great job, by the way, Gary. You're lifting them with such ease. Such a strong guy. Oh, no, all right, that'll be, that'll be, geez, no, let's not push it, come on, okay, oh, okay, <laughs> so, so Amos is having a conversation with the Lord, the Lord shows him something, he says, Amos, what do you see, because the Lord is standing by a wall, a reflection of, of Israel, and they were, uh, They were mucking around with God. In fact, they weren't looking after the poor, to be specific as an example here. They were not being compassionate. They were not looking after the marginalized. And the Lord stands by the wall and he's holding in his hand a plumb line. So a plumb line, and then you've got a little bob at the end. We call it a plumb bob. The Lord is standing by this wall and he's testing to see how it's built is it straight not really now a lot of the time we can't actually tell how crooked we are until the lord presents us with a plumb line so an easy thing for us to do is to isolate ourselves from people or even from God and then we can think we're doing really well. But that's because we haven't allowed the Lord to test us. What does the Lord use as a plumb line for us? 
What are some things? Some things that the Lord can use as a plumb line to, to show us if we're being built well. Perhaps a church community of believers. Anyone ever felt like a church community, sometimes you, you can see being around someone that is loving, patient, just, righteous, you're like, oh, gee, I've got to straighten up a little bit. Ever been around those types of people? I've been around them. You either run from them or run to them. Either way, being around them, it shows you up. I, I really got to grow in patience. Oh, I, I need the love of God to flow through me a little bit more. That's one of the benefits of church community. It's interesting that when we're struggling or, or we're, when we're in sin, many of us, we want to run from church community. One of the great benefits of coming together every week, being in a life group and being challenged and encouraged to be prayed for is we grow together. What's, what's another plumb line that the Lord uses? What about the Word of God? One of the great plumb lines. Can we go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16? Bible says, and let's go verse 17 as well. It says, all of Scripture. All of Scripture. Not, some, not the easy bits, but all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Hello. Oh, I don't like that one. And training in righteousness. So that, go verse 17, thanks. So that God uses it, well, there's a difference. God uses it to prepare us and equip his people to do every good work. In fact, can you do the ESV version of that? That the man of God, so that the man of God or the woman of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The Bible is a wonderful instrument that the Lord uses to test us. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God can be competent, equipped for every good work. There are times I don't feel like reading the Bible. I'm going to be honest with you, right? Uh, not that I haven't been honest to this point. <laughs> but <laughs> there are some times when I'm in a stinky mood, Am I the only one that goes in stinky moods sometimes? And I might go online and I'll go on Facebook or, or Instagram or something and someone's got a Bible verse up there and I'll read it and I'm like, I don't want to read that right now. And as soon as I realize my heart's saying that, I think, oh, what's going on there? It's symptomatic of something that God wants to do in my heart. That's what the Bible can do. It does something. And it provides prophetic vision to our hearts. Proverbs, we read that without vision or prophetic vision, the people will perish or the people will cast off restraint. May we never despise or underestimate God's plumb line of the word of God. Another way, what about the words of Jesus that are in the Bible as a plumb line? He says some things that I sometimes don't feel like obeying. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Forgive. I don't want to forgive. 
There are times my heart doesn't want to do the right thing, but I am measured and tested, particularly my faith. My heart is tested as the Lord puts a plumb line next to how I'm building. How do we respond when we see God's plumb line showing us up? Do you know, ultimately, this plumb line for us is only truly effective because Jesus anchors it. It's because of Jesus. And he certainly does want to deal with sin. Why? Why is he calling out sin to his people? Why does he call out sin? All throughout the New Testament, under the New Covenant, he's calling out sin today. Why does he do that? Why does sin matter to God? Well, sin matters to God because we matter to God. It's not just that he's holy and that he's righteous and he can't stand sin. That is true. But he cares about us being holy as he is holy. He cares about us growing in sinlessness because he cares about us. What are the sins that are laying dormant in your heart this morning? Yesterday I was out praying just into this message and I was very confronted. I'm like, oh, sins of the heart, Lord, help me deal with that. At times I know that I'm rebellious. At times I know that I'm greedy. At times I know that I'm envious. At times I know that I'm proud. At times I know that I'm selfish. At times I know I feel jealousy. At times I know I want to stir up strife. At times, I know I'm disobedient. Lord, those sins of the heart, that may not be so obvious on the outside. It's not like ripping off the tax department or wasting my money on gambling. It may not be so, so obvious like swearing or saying gossiping. It might be something that's deep within. But God uses His precious Holy Spirit as a plumb line and he wants me to deal with my sin. When you're presented with God's plumb line, how do you respond to the very idea of it? Is it something that uh, upsets you? Is it something that encourages you? See, the way that I see it, and I've had to work through in my walk with the Lord on this, is that I must realize that God's plumb line is not for condemnation, but for in invitation. It's an invitation. The Lord says, let me show you something. My son Jesus is the only perfect plumb line. You need him to be like him. You need to behold him to become like him. And you know what he wants for us? He wants for us to build better. Perhaps to build back better. In our walk with God and our faith in particular, we might have laid a foundation that was not truly on Jesus. Maybe it was on yourself. 
Maybe you came into Christianity thinking that you'll get rich. (laughs) That wasn't in my notes, so I surprised myself. That was very humorous. (laughs) Maybe you came into Christianity looking for a spouse or a partner. You came to church. I know I have friends that have done that. Maybe you've come into Christianity looking for Jesus to appease your conscience for something you've done and then you've flicked him to the wayside after a year or two. But it's all got to be built on the cornerstone of Jesus. Anyone been to Italy before? I've been to Italy before. There, there, there is a, a, an incredible building there called the Tower of Pisa. Si, si, va bene, va bene. Let's show a picture of the Tower of Pisa. Look at that. Let's show the other picture. It might be a little bit more pronounced. There we go. Doesn't that look beautiful? What happened there? The foundation wasn't right. The ground started to sink. The, the, the Tower of Pisa was, uh, it took just over 200 years to build. It was completed in the 14th century. It's been around a long time. Less than 60 meters tall. And up until 1990, do you know the tilt was 5.5 degrees? They did some work on it. It's now four degrees. You're looking at a four-degree tilt. Four degrees. How much is four degrees? It's so marginal. It's so hard to see. But the longer that the structure is, the taller that it is, the more pronounced and obvious it becomes. Four degrees may not look like much up close, But from a distance, you can see what four degrees looks like. In the same way, what about us? If there's something in our hearts that's just a few degrees out, wouldn't we want to deal with it early on and not let things build and build and build? Perhaps the Lord wants to show up a plumb line to say, hey, look, I know you think it's okay, but this is... It's better for you that that this gets worked out. Let's work this out now. Are you harboring resentment? Or bitterness? Or anger? Are you greedy at heart? Are you rebellious at heart? What about sexual immorality? Sex outside of marriage, has that been dealt with? Don't go there, young people, old people alike. Pornography, stay away from it. It's a deep, hidden sin of the heart. Cheating on your tax, be honest. Deal with it. Drunkenness. Oh, it's just a few drinks now and again. Oh, I just, I'll be okay the next morning. God cares about these things, which is why he talks about it so repeatedly. Deal with it. God's plumb line is an invitation for repentance. And that ultimately is a call for us today that the Lord, by His Spirit, would lead us into repentance. A repentance that is not based on a worldly sorrow or a worldly grief, but a godly grief, a godly sorrow. Something that He initiates and that He does within us. So, what we see informs our destiny We also know that sin matters to God because we matter to God. But importantly, God tests us 
to, show, to, uh, to grow us up, not to show us up. God tests us to grow us up, not to show us up. God's less interested in exposing you. He wants to grow you. His purpose for you is to become like Jesus, remember, to be fully equipped, to be mature. And so he presents a plumb line from time to time in your life so that we can see where we're really at and straighten ourselves in him. Where in your heart is there a tilt? Where in your life is there crookedness? Every single one of us today. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 7. Here's a very scary scripture. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, hang on, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Amen or ouch? What? What? That sounds like workers. Lord, that's a bit that's a bit harsh, Jesus. What happened to the Jesus, the hippie Jesus with the long flowing locks of golden blonde hair? Frolicking with the children and the disciples in the in the hillsides, playing with the sheep and what about that guy? Jesus says, hey, many people will come to me in that day. Many people, not just a couple, many, and they will think that they knew him. Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these good things in your name? And he's going to say, I never knew you. I would prefer God to show up a plumb line for me right now, to get it right now, than to ignore it. But let's read on. This is what it says. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. God cares about us, which is why he addresses us at times in ways that we don't like. Let him search your heart this morning. Are you willing? Do you want him to? Or are you scared? Are you fearful? I used to have a a dysfunctional relationship with my heavenly father where I was too scared of him because I pictured him as a very angry God, a vengeful God. It was a misinformed theology that I had. He's not like that. I know him. I hear his voice. I, I talked to him just before. He's real. He's true. He's good. He's loving. He's merciful. He's just, but he's also holy. And you know what he wants of me? He wants me to have an open heart before him. Let's check out what some psalmists have said. Put 
me on trial, Psalm 26 verse 2, and cross-examine me, test my motives and my heart. Psalmist says, Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Here's an opportunity for us all to examine ourselves. Uh, Lamentations 3.40, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Is that you this morning? 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. As we finish this morning... I believe Holy Spirit is giving us an invitation for uh, us to stand our hearts next to his plumb line, the plumb bob. Jesus is the anchor that weighs us down. He's our plumb bob. He's, uh, he's not interested in us having another plumb person. Not your plum husband, not your plum wife, not your plum Jane, not your plum Tim, it's your plum Jesus. It's, no one else is going to do it for you, it's Jesus. But here is an opportunity for us to willingly, as the psalmist says, willingly say, Lord, examine my heart. There's stuff there. And I, I'm not, I know there's not condemnation in Christ, but there is an invitation for repentance. As the team plays this morning, and the team I mean the soloist, why don't we just have a time of waiting on the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. We're going to wait on Him and ask Him to test us, to measure us, to weigh us, that we might bring it to the cross. Why? Because He cares about us. He wants us to be mature, complete, lacking nothing. If you want to, you can kneel. If you'd like, you can, you can stand. You can raise your hands. Just going to spend a few minutes. Father, we ask you to minister clearly and prophetically right now. Can you show up in us things that you want? Things that you want for us to pin to the cross. Whatever it may be. Teach us, Lord, to willingly yield and surrender everything. Every crevice, every crack, every nook, every cranny. It's yours, Lord. In the first month of 2023, it's you that we want to see. It's you and only you. We want a revelation of Jesus that he is the true and living God. We wait on you now, Lord. And we ask your spirit. Move and minister. I thank you, Father, for setting people free this morning. Thank you for setting people free. Sins of addiction. Sins of wrong confession. I really feel that this morning.
Some of us in this room, we have been confessing things that we should not have been confessing. We have been giving power and authority where we should not have been. Your words carry weight in Jesus' name. Speak life. Thank you, Father. Lord, for sins of the heart, for sins of omission, things that we know that have been right to do but we haven't, we've been holding off, things that we're unaware of, Lord, reveal to us that we might be led to repentance. Thank you, Lord. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.